heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Folks, welcome to episode number 158 of YWC Football Talk. As always, sponsored by BetStamp for the best odds for shopping for any odds, especially right now during March Madness. Check out the BetStamp app, app, link in the bio. With me today, Pat Lane, P Lane underscore Pats is back with me. Pat, how are we doing today? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. A little tired. It's Sunday night. Uh, you know, dad duty in full effect. We were trying to get the wash done and like then the blankets aren't ready. So the kids can't go to bed and like uh, it's just like a whole mess. Uh, so. Like I, 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 it's one of those situations I feel like I can say I can only imagine, but I can't. Maybe if we revisit this conversation in like, yep. I don't know, 10, 15 years from now, I'll, be, right, yeah. I'll say that position will be like, oh, yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. But um, but no, well, obviously we're here. We're here to talk football. Don't know how it is right now. I know I've listened to a couple of the last episodes you've done with the guys, uh, including you and Keegan, even though I'm incredibly jealous of what Spags has been doing the last few days every time I look up. <laughs> I see a story from a golf course in Arizona, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I wish that was me. Yeah, right now. yeah, yeah. Living but the life. I want to rip the Band-Aid off. I know your situation with this. Do you want to express to the viewers more just not only how you feel, but like just how you think it could have gone better or like – what like where do we think things went south considering jc's off to la now in that let's just call it i'm gonna call it like what keegan said it's, it's gremlin mode it's just the whole afc west went bonkers and we're right. just chilling in the east yeah i mean it, the whole thing is a disaster as far as i'm concerned and listen i think you know there's a few different things to look at like ultimately just jc jackson leaving isn't the worst thing in the world like did i want to keep jc of course like you know but the patriots make it they they make do with Decent cornerbacks. Now, they're of course, they're a lot better when they have an elite corner, but then they sometimes take guys out of nowhere and make them elite corners. J.C. Jackson, Malcolm Butler. This is what they do with guys, right? They have these undrafted players that, you know, Miles Bryant has turned into a pretty good player. They have to be an undrafted free agent. So I'm not concerned about their ability to take a corner and make him a good player. The biggest concern, though, is that, like, you had, you know, and I, to me, it goes all the way back to the beginning of 2020. Okay, you come out the 2019 season. Stephon Gilmore was defensive player of the year, the best yeah. player in football, right? He was unbelievable. JC Jackson was an up and coming corner. You knew what you had in JC Jackson. I mean, you didn't know exactly what you had in JC Jackson, but he he looked good as a number two. He had a pretty okay? good idea. He looks good as a number two. This guy can might be able to grow into something. You have Stephon Gilmore, who now wants more money after signing what was the richest contract in NFL history at the time for a corner. Of course, three years later, it wasn't. And, you know, so he wants more money. You know that. Tom Brady leaves on St. Patrick's Day. So now you're sitting here at the beginning of free agency saying, okay, we have Stephon Gilmore and we have J.C. Jackson. Gilmore's done after 2021. We know that. Jackson's contract runs out after 2020, and then he's a restricted free agent. We know that, too. So we know we're not going to be able to keep both guys. Because, and listen, the cap, and people can talk about manipulating the cap and so on and so forth. That's true. The Patriots don't do that. They do that a little yeah. bit. But they don't. They Cap don't. Imaginary and all that stuff. Right. They don't do it as much as other teams. And so, realistically, you're not keeping both Gilmore and Jackson. So, going into the 2020 season, when Stephon Gilmore's 
is at the height of his powers. I mean, you're talking, you know, reigning defensive player of the year, considered the best corner league. Trade him. Just freaking trade him. Get rid of him. Because Brady's just left. You're not competing for a championship. I mean, shit, until June 27th, Jared Stidham was your starting quarterback. So, like, you know, you weren't competing for a championship. We all knew that. So what was the point of holding on to both guys? Then Gilmore gets hurt in the middle of 2020. And now you're like, okay, well, Gilmore's now Gilmore's hurt. Well, his value tanks because it's a quad injury. We don't know how bad it is. So now we go into the 2021 draft. And, you know, JC is a restricted free agent. So you probably can't get anything for him, theoretically, if you want to trade him. Maybe no one will take anything for Jack for, for Gilmore. But, oh, by the way, you already advanced Gilmore money, so he's getting $7.5 million in 2021. And you know he's not going to play for that. You know he's not going to play for that. And then you refuse to extend him. So, like, it just, none of it made sense. So then you trade Gilmore for a six-round pick in 2023. And now, assuming they don't sign any other big free agents, which it seems like they're not going to, they're going to get a third-round pick in 2023 for J.C. Jackson. Now, listen. A third-round pick in 2023 for J.C. Jackson isn't terrible. It's not terrible. I don't hate the idea they got rid of him. What I hate the fact is that they had him and Gilmore going into a rebuilding year, and they just kept both of them and did nothing. It's like you could have gotten a first-round pick, and maybe you couldn't have gotten a first-round pick for J.C. Jackson in 2020. Maybe you couldn't have. But you could have at least gotten a second-round pick for him. I mean, there's no shot. You know, like Jalen Ramsey, people say, oh, you know, cornerbacks don't go. Jalen Ramsey got traded for two, two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick. Now, Jalen Ramsey was 26 or 25. Like, Gilmore's not getting that. But to tell me you couldn't get a first- or second-round pick from Gilmore as the reigning defensive player of the year, that's just asinine. You absolutely could have. The Patriots chose not to for whatever reason. And instead of choosing one or the other, they chose neither and got nothing back for either of them. And again, so maybe they end up with a third-round pick for J.C. Jackson, and ultimately that's fine. But you had both of them. The fact that you got nothing for Gilmore makes it worse now that you let Jackson walk. And it's not like Jackson watched play out. Um, we all looked at it and said, okay, they're going to choose one of these guys, and then they're in a great situation. They're going to get assets back for, for the other one. And one of them will leave, and they'll keep the other one, and fine. And then, no, that's not what happened. And it's just so incredibly frustrating, you know, from a fan perspective, to just sit there and say, like, you just dropped the ball on this bill. Like, I, so, and I don't think this, I honestly don't believe there's any other way to look at it other than the fact that he clearly dropped the ball. And people on Twitter say, well, you know, Gilmore didn't want to play, and of course you couldn't get anything for Gilmore because he was hurt, and he wouldn't play. But it's like, yeah, but it shouldn't, let, it shouldn't have gone to that point. You shouldn't have had to trade him in the middle of 2021. You should have traded him at the beginning of 2020. Or you should have traded him this offseason for a draft pick. So what if it was only a third-round pick? Who cares? Get something for him. You know, and it just they, – they completely botched it, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just one, it's one of those things you're right. It's like the same thing, too, with Joe Tooney in 2020 when they put the franchise tag on him as well. Right. And then the next year, walks to Kansas City. It's the same yep. thing. But I think Belichick always has this mentality for years he's had it where – Look, he can play hardball with these guys, and he knows eventually. Like last year, we had it too with David Andrews, where it was, hey, or even to uh, Patrick Chung years ago, where it was, hey, go test the market, come back to me, and I'll see what happens. With this one, I think the only real thing was just the guarantee money. That's the big thing. But the fact, too, they couldn't trade him. When I have people from other fan bases messaging me, asking me why, why didn't you give him the franchise tag? Obviously, that would have hindered us against the cap. This year, we're in a really crappy cap situation. Next year, it's going to be better. Um, And so far... 
it's just it's not a tough offseason. It's just been weird. But I feel like a lot of Patriots fans are being brought back to reality of, hey, not every offseason is going to be what happened last year where you can just go and just, okay, here's a contract. Here's a contract. Handing out contracts like we're Oprah Winfrey over here. When in reality, look, there's going to be sometimes you're not the bell of the ball of free agency. The Chargers are being that this year. The Bengals, hell, even Jacksonville. But that's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different story. Even the Jets a little bit have made some moves here and there where it's like, oh, okay, we we, we see what you're doing. Right. Um, but with the Patriots, it's just one of those things now where, and especially too with the AFC West, I hate to say this, but I feel like I want to, I have a take for you and it's on the subtitles right now for those of you watching on YouTube, but I feel like we're in that NFL purgatory or that sports purgatory where you do not want your team to be. Obviously, I know you're Boston, you're Boston guys all through and through. I have the Boston for football, but the rest of mine, I'm Toronto. So I know that feeling of either being at the very bottom or the very top. Right. But right now with the Patriots, it just seems like we're good enough to, you know, be in that playoff mix, be in that playoff hunt, maybe get a wild card spot. Because for as much as I thought we could have won a division this past season, it was it's ultimately going to be Buffalo's for the next while going forward. But it just kind of sucks knowing that we're in this position, you know, where it's like, okay, yeah, Maybe we can finish 10 and 7 again this year like we did this year. But are we going to go far in the playoffs? Probably not because you have the West. You have the AFC North now, which is loaded. But that's we'll see what happens there, all of the suspensions. Um, And then the West is just everyone just not playing. It's like everyone playing a game of one-upping each other. And also one other point I want to make about the West. So, you know, for years everyone said, oh, Tom Brady had no competition in the AFC East. He ran through it every year. Well, clearly all the other three teams are being sick and tired of that narrative because that's what I'm feeling like where they're realizing, hey, we're not going to beat them just sitting around and playing coy. We have to get better, and that's what they're doing. And that's what the Dolphins, Jets, and Bills failed to do for so many years. That's true. It's definitely true. And and it's funny because you see – you know, the, the the Broncos going all in and the Raiders going all in and these teams kind of going all in even though the Chiefs are there. But I think last year you saw that vulnerability from the Chiefs that like, yep. yeah, sure, they turned it on in the playoffs, but like – you know, if if you can take advantage of that vulnerability and maybe win the division from them, and you're a good enough team, now you know now Kansas City's coming into Denver or Kansas City's coming into LA. And LA doesn't really matter, but like you, you know what I mean. Like they're they're going into a hostile environment in the playoffs. Now that doesn't mean they're going to lose, but it gives you a chance at least. Whereas the Patriots, it just felt like it was inevitable they were going to win every yep. year, right? So, um, you know, there are, there are parts of it for me that I. Look, I think the purgatory thing is is completely relevant. I, I think it's yep. really a good take, to be honest with you. But I do think you're not concerned this year about winning a championship. Like it doesn't no. matter, right? And and the biggest concern right now, it, to me at least, is this year is going to be build our young guys, right? And it's interesting. You talked about Tooney. Tooney is a tough situation because when you franchised him, you were hoping that Brady would make the decision to come back. And so you didn't really have a choice but to franchise him because you wanted Brady to come back to you. And so you had to keep Tooney around, right? You couldn't let Tooney walk and then have Brady say, yeah, no, I want, I was going to come back, but now I don't have Joe Tooney. Like, I'm, no, I'm not coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you had to franchise him, unfortunately. If you would let him walk, if you would let him walk in 2020, then you get a third round pick in 2021, another third round pick in 2021. So, you know, and they obviously could have used that in a, in a pretty solid draft. But either way, you know, it just it unfortunately didn't work out. And of course, he left off last offseason, but we get no comp picks for him because we spent, you know, we spent like a crazy person last offseason. But nevertheless, 
So there are some there are some different things that you look at and say, hey, we could have done some things differently. I do think if you're the Patriots this year, the the number one concern for you, and we're kind of already seeing it, is let's change the culture in the locker room to the new guys, right? Let's get the new guys in. Let's play the hell out of the new guys. And now by the time they brought McCourty back, you brought Slater back, and you brought James White back. I think those three are really important because those guys are the mainstays in the locker room. You talk about leadership. You talk about culture. You talk about all that stuff. Those are the yeah. those are really yeah, and that's it, right? And so, of course, David Andrews is in there too. But like those two guys, to me, kind of exemplify it. And of course, James as well. But like really, McCourty and Slater are those guys where you're like, whoa, like these are the guys that we need. But and they've pointed it out, and they've and they've you know made it known as well. Like the young guys are gonna have to step up too, right? And so. It's kind of another year for those young guys, whether it's Barmore, whether it's Mac, whether it's Duggar, whether it's, you know, Uche, whether it's whoever. Ramondre. Right. And it could be Ramondre. It could be Damian Harris, who p- people love in the, in the locker room as well. So, like, you know, those guys need to step up and now they need to become the leaders in the locker room as well. And if we can get those young guys playing time, and again, maybe it's Cam McGrone, maybe it's, you know, get those guys out there and have them play, get them experience. And then next year, and you pointed this out already, next year you get a ton of cap space next year. Cap space coming off the books, so you get a ton of room next year. You can make a run at some players, and now in Mac's third year, now you can try to make a run of the championship, right? And yeah, okay, you know, the Bills are really good. They're really good. There's no way around it. The Bills are really, really good. Yeah. Josh Allen is fantastic, and the Bills have a loaded roster. Like, th- that's just, that is just is what it is. But I think you're happy with your quarterback here. I think you already see you have a good defense. Now, of course, you got some retooling to do, but you already have a good defense. You have some pieces that are like cornerstone pieces with Judon and Barmore and Duggar and, you know, Phillips and, you know, guys like that where you look at it and say, we love these guys. And so we can work towards something here. And then you say, okay, now we got a ton of money in free agency again. The Bills are going to have no cap space next year. We're going to be able to go out and spend in in the offseason. We're going to be able to get better again. And now the guys that we signed for those long-term deals, the John U. Smith, the uh, the Judon, Aguilar's at the books, but but it's you know it's Born, it's Judon, it's John U., it's Henry, it's those guys that you signed to those four-year deals. You did that for a reason because you knew this isn't a one-year thing. We're trying to rebuild this team, and we want to get these strong leaders, but also talented players in the locker room to kind of kickstart this, right? And I think they did a lot more than most people were expecting last year. And so, okay, this year, do they take a little bit of a step back? Do they go 9-7 and seven or 9-8? and eight? Do they go 10-7? and seven? Maybe, probably. They have a tough schedule this year, too. So, like, do they, do they, you know, not do they not do great this year? Yeah, maybe not. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you finish 9-8 and eight or 10-7. and seven. Maybe you miss the playoffs. Maybe you don't. Who knows? But, like, I don't really care about this year. What I care about is getting those young guys better. Continue to have Mac improve. Work John Smith in the offense. Figure out, you know, Kendrick Bourne's role and and Jacoby Myers and you know Ramondre and Damian Harris and all that other stuff and and, and kind of see where see what you have. And then of course, in the draft you're sitting at twenty one. There's a ton of good players. There's a ton of really good players. Um, you know, and so bring bring in some new blood, right? And see what those guys can do. Get those guys acclimated, and then next year you'll be set up and, and poised to make a run. Exactly, exactly. Like I brought this up a couple weeks ago with uh, Fitzy on here where I jokingly said the last two Phoenix Super Bowls, guess who was the participant from the AFC in there? It was us. Yeah. I like to say this is a joke, but like, no, like when after I look at it in free agency, 
Um, I got tapped into Bill's Twitter a little bit, and I keep saying them saying all this stuff about like how, like, look, it's their division. That game was just 20 years of pent up frustration and anger. There's a few players, hell, I even like, I'm a really big Dawson Knox guy from the Bills, yeah. really good for fantasy as well. I know you're a big fantasy football guy, yep. but um, yeah, like, you know what? Let, let them have their cake right now, let them enjoy because what ultimately, even though they kick our ass in the playoffs, their season was seen as a failure because for them, it was we want to get to a Super Bowl, and they lost in the divisional round. Meanwhile, for us, I look at the 2021 season as a, as a success for the main purpose of, look, we went 10-7, and seven, did the wheels fall off at the end, and there was the Colts' loss, and then the Bills' loss, and the Dolphins' loss. Yeah, you know, the wheels right. fall off at the end. But at the same time, too, there wasn't pressure going into the year. That's why I'm kind of like when you're playing with – you're basically playing with house money. This year it's a little different, though, where I feel like, okay – you take a step back. There's going to be Patriots fans out there that are going to get mad and they're going to lose. They're going to lose their minds. But I like having this outlet like this because you and I can bounce off each other and admit, like, hey, we're here saying we're not going to win a Super Bowl. For anyone out there that's listening, right. we know this year it's not our year to win. But at the same time, too, I'm looking forward to that. Seeing guys like McGrone, Perkins step up because obviously they didn't get a lot of playing time last year. Yeah. Um. There is that one lineman from I don't know. If probably won't do a lot. I think William something with an S. Uh. That we drafted last year out of Colorado. Oh, Sherman. 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 Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't he'll get playing time. It's just maybe like see guys like that yeah, get looks. Know. But yeah. you never you never know. Like, and then also the one player I'm really eager to see play again is Michael Owenu because he got kind of put into the doghouse last year. But yeah, it's it's gonna be tough, but we'll ultimately see. But I say this and I know he can be a bit of a grouch sometimes, and a lot of people can get mad at him over the last couple of seasons. I still have faith in Belichick to do the right thing to help put this organization in position to win football games. And I'm just going to say one more point because that's at the end of the day, that's what I want. I just want a team that's going to be competitive. I don't want a team that's going to lay down and you know, with new England, that's never going to happen. And with the signing, the guys like Slater, McCourty white, you need those guys in your locker room. If you want to establish a good culture, right? That's the big thing. Hey, you're hundred percent right. And, and listen, I mean, you know, it's kind of, it's like a hot take right now to say that Belichick is still good. And it's like the guy won executive of the year last year, you know, and, and this is the thing where we have such a short memory, but it's like, you know, all well, Belichick's lost his fastball and he's not. And it's like, no, what, dude, last year, last year, he just spent a trillion dollars, right? He brought in literally he spent, he spent a quarter of a billion dollars guaranteed to bring in Hunter Henry and John o. Smith and Matthew Judon and, you know, and, and Kendrick Bourne. And yeah, people don't like Nelson Aguilar, but like, by the way, you know, and listen, not for nothing, Aguilar did not have a good season, but uh, do you know who the best wide receiver in training camp was by a mile? It was Nelson Aguilar. He yeah. was separating from everyone. He was clearly the best receiver on the field the entire training camp. So, you know, do they maybe not use him as much, maybe? Can he be great? I don't, I don't know about that, but, like, he at least can be a serviceable wide receiver. You don't have to trade him and get nothing back. Did they overpay for him? Sure. Sure they did, yeah. but uh, yeah. but I I'm I'm confident that they can actually use him for something. So like, I, I just think we're we're overreacting with Belichick. I mean, people are talking about Belichick's loss is fast, but it doesn't happen. And it's like, what the hell are you people talking about? Like last year, right? He spends all this money in free agency, brings in a ton of guys who were now, not all of them panned out. Not all of them panned yeah. out. But Hunter Henry's a pretty damn good signing. Matthew Judon, pretty damn good signing. Kevin Corn, pretty damn good signing. Like. You'd get those, just those three guys in free agency, and you hit a home run. Then you draft Mac Jones at, at quarterback at 15, who far and away was the best of the rookie quarterbacks. It wasn't even close. wasn't yeah. even close. And if Jamar Chase doesn't have the season he had, 
He wins Offensive Rookie of the Year by a landslide. So 100%. fine. Okay. Then you have him. Then you draft Christian Barmore in the second round. Only the best rookie defensive lineman in football, right? One of the best we've seen in, in the last, you know, 10 years as far as rookie, as far as rookie defensive lineman. And then in the fourth round, you draft Ramondre Stevenson as well. So you have a draft that's unbelievable. And Ronnie Perkins, by the way, Ronnie Perkins, you know, well, listen, some people are up and down on PFF, but PFF had him, had him as a fringe first-round guy. He was the only only edge defender in college football last year, well, I guess in 2020, to have a 90 or above grade against the run and the pass. The guy's pretty good. Now, he needed a year for whatever reason. He was hurt for part of it, and then, of course, he wasn't hurt for, for you know, another part of it. But, like, you know, there's nothing that says he can't come in and be good. Now, I don't know if he's going to be, like, amazing, but, like, Trey Flowers missed his first year, too. Now, that was an injury, but still missed his first year, came back, and looked great, of course. So, and by the way, Trey Flowers is still, stick, is still you know, bouncing around out there in free agency. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring in a few of those types of guys. Trey Flowers makes a lot of sense coming back here just because they need more of those edge-type players. Um, you know, I, I just think, like, if we don't trust Belichick right now, like what the hell are we doing? Uh, you know, I don't know what, what you, what have you learned in the last 20 years? If you're not trusting Belichick to at least have them be competitive, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, but like at least keep them competitive this year and then put them in position to make a run in the next, you know, three years after that, when who knows, maybe Josh Allen regresses, maybe Mahomes gets hurt. Maybe like who, you don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. That stuff's probably not going to happen, but you don't know for sure. And so, like, you know, it just, to me, it's it's just kind of crazy. Like, let's trust in Belichick and see what he has, like you said. And it's like, you know, why wouldn't we do that? Like, look at even the team like last year, like Baltimore. Baltimore was a team everyone was super high on going into the year. But then Dobbins gets hurt. Yep. Uh, Gus Edwards gets hurt. Marcus yeah. Peters gets hurt. And then during the season, Jackson goes down. Marlon Humphrey goes down. And this year, they're fully back to come back healthy. They added Marcus Williams to free agency. And that's a team to watch out for. And I know everyone's loving it. They're saying, like, I've seen tweets. I think it was Phil Perry who said it. Uh, we got an AFC West red zone. The, that division's loaded, but there's going to be a team in there that's going to miss the playoffs. Right. There's going to be a team there. And I think that the whole thing right now, too, is is with people getting expectations when people message me, oh, what are the Patriots doing? What are the Patriots doing? And I'm like, guys, it's like, Pat, like, I'm literally talking to you. It's March 20th. We're about right. five, like just under six months until the regular season starts. And what you see on the pro, what you see right now with the team is not what you're going to see in September. They're right. going to add to the draft. They're going to add to free agency. They're going to scoop a couple of guys up. They're going to make you, you know, scratch your head a little bit and say like, okay, who is this? But at the same time, too, it's like I said, if you're a Patriots fan, you have to trust Belichick. If you don't trust Belichick, I'm going to steal a phrase from you. What, what are we doing? Right. I mean, that did we know who Kendrick Bourne was last year? Like, no. Nope. And, and he's probably our most reliable wide receiver at this point. You know, so it's like. That's the stuff to me where I'm just like, come on. Like, you know, I mean, you know, what's his name? Troll and Volan out there tweeting out like, oh, the Bills have signed Vaughn Miller and the Patriots have three starting offensive linemen. It's like, dude, it's like March 10th, bro. Like, relax. Yeah. Like, it just stopped. You know, like, it's not – I get it. But we're like you said, we're not there yet. Like, give them time. And who knows? Maybe they draft a tackle in the first round this year. Like, I just – you know, I don't know. And it's interesting. We'll talk about the draft in a minute. But, like, but it's just like – Let's just have some patience. And I know everyone wants everything. Everyone wants everything. I know that. But you remember what happened? Like, last year was amazing. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Like, it just doesn't. You know, the 2020 offseason is one of the worst offseasons in, in in Patriots history. Like, you, you lose Tom Brady, right? You sign Cam Newton, who, like, 
I, I mean, the fact that team went seven to nine. I mean, Jesus that Christ, team should have won that, four team, games. that team was a disaster. That team was a disaster. So, but either way, but if you look at it and just say, like, you know, what, what do you want them to do? Like, they had a terrible 2020 offseason. Then they have a great 2021 offseason. Now they're in 2022, and it's like, yeah, it's not great. You lose J.C. Jackson. You lose other guys. Like, you trade Jack Mason, which which that one frustrated me, and it frustrates a lot of people, of course. But it's just kind of like, hey, I, I guarantee you, and I don't know. I have no inside information, but I guarantee you they went to Shaq and said, listen, we want to extend you because we want – we want you to take a pay cut really is what we want you to do. We want you yeah. to take some money. We want to take some of that money and convert it and do this and do that. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. And they said, okay, see you later. And they just traded. That's what I would imagine. happened. I might be wrong with that, but that's what I would imagine happened because yes, it was a small salary cap hit in general, but I think they wanted to try to extend him and, you know, keep that number kind of low. And he didn't want to do that. And I don't necessarily blame him for that because in two years, he's going to get a big payday. Right. And so he w- he probably wants to play out the end of his contract and then or maybe next year he'll sign the he'll sign the extension. Although I wouldn't expect him to stay in Tampa because Brady would come. But that's that's who knows. That's a whole that's a whole nother discussion. But um y- you know, I-, I just think like, yeah, we're here. It's we're not super happy about it, but like what are we freaking out about? Like it's just not you know, we know what Belichick is capable of. We know you're gonna be fine. Just like give him time, he'll figure it out. And then if by the end of 2021 or if 2022 comes along and they haven't figured anything out and they look terrible in 2021 and now nothing's changed. Okay. Now you can start to be like, what the hell are we doing here? Right. Yeah. But like at a certain, but right now, like you're, you're overreacting right now after a team that overachieved last year, really right. Had no business making the playoffs last year and made the playoffs anyways and played over their head. And then a bunch of, a bunch of young guys look good. And had some guys underperform. If John Smith plays well this year, and he played awful last year, he played well. He plays well this year. Like all of a sudden, you're getting something out of a guy that you didn't expect to get anything out of. So, you know, I, I just think I think we got to just chill on the like freak out right now, and you know, just come back to earth and say, hey, look, we're gonna be all right. We're gonna be okay. Maybe we're not exactly where we're gonna be, but we're gonna be fine. It, exactly, exactly. You you nail it on the head because it's one of those things where we have to look at it and go, you know what? Hey, look, everything's gonna be fine. Just you got to remember this at the end of the day. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's not all – you can't have your cake and eat it to every offseason. Like, I know Boston's been blessed with winning for the last tw- almost 25 years now. But at the same point, too, we understand where – look, with the Patriots, give it time, give it patience. Because I'm not thinking short-term with this team. I'm thinking long-term. I'm like – you know how when they say, what's your – like, with the Bills, it's, hey, three years. They want to win a Super Bowl. For us, it's like five to ten. We want to be back in that conversation, right. which yeah. – you know, a lot of the times you got to look at it that way. And also another hot take I have, and I still believe this, is that we will always live in the head rent free of Bills Mafia. That's, that oh, is yeah. just me. Oh, they yeah. can deny it. It is the oh, truth. 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's 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 factual. I mean, because yeah. they can say, oh, yeah, you know, we run the AFC in the East now, and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, they they we beat up on them for 20 years. They're like the little brother. And so if they win, their first tweet will not be about them winning. It'll be about the fact that they're better than us. That'll be the first tweet because and and listen, rightfully so. I'd feel the same way from if I were a Bills fan, right? I mean, the Patriots beat up on them for twenty years. Like, of course they feel that way, you know. So no, you're one hundred percent right about that one. They're definitely uh, they're they're definitely little, the little brother in the situation, and they always will be. They always will be unless another twenty years go by and the Patriots suck and the Bills are good. Like they just the Bills weren't even competitive for twenty years. They didn't even like they weren't even with us. We just dominated them every single year, and it was just year after year after year. The Bills had a billion quarter. I remember I wrote I wrote an article called um, Tom Brady the Buffalo Bill. It's when I like <laughs> like literally the first article I ever wrote, 
And it was about how, um, you know, if the Patriots, like if the Patriots had lost the tuck rule game, theoretically, now let's just say the Patriots had lost the tuck rule game or something had happened, you know, during the year and they had missed the playoffs or whatever. And that the Patriots, instead of trading Bledsoe there, had traded Brady there. And, you know, how many quarterbacks, I think at the time, this, this is so long ago, I believe at the time, um, Who's the black quarterback they drafted in the first round? The Bills. Um, shit, what the hell's his name? I can't remember. It was years ago. But anyways, they, they were starting like their they're like 15th starting quarterback in the last, like, you know, or they're like eighth starting quarterback in the last 15 years or something stupid like that. And it was like, you know, maybe this guy would be the guy, but like um, but Brady would have have had one. <laughs> and it was like the Bills, if they had somehow looked into that stability, you know, who knows what it would have looked, what what, what it would have looked like. But Anyways, just one of those funny things where, like, that was literally the first article I wrote. Um, and yeah, if you're the Bills, like, you just look at it and say, like, man, we had Bloodstone, and then they drafted JP Lossman, and they had Fitzpatrick, and they went, you know, they had a million guys where they just didn't pan out. And it's like, man, that just, that's, oh, it's brutal. The only worst part about when the Patriots lose more than them, because when we lost that playoff game, I didn't see Bills Mafia coming after us. I had Jets fans, I had Giants fans. Those are the people that were. Oh, yeah. Yeah, coming after me because I I had a thing on one of my because I do well I do a lot of sports betting content and I posted Patriots plus four for that game because I'm like you know what we can keep it close but I think we'll I don't yeah. know if we'd win the game and right. someone Jet fan was coming at me saying oh how's that Patriots plus four looking and I'm like you guys didn't even make a playoffs like shut up. That's <laughs> by the way, by the way, EJ Manuel was back in 2013. Yes. This was back in 2013. It's my first first one I ever wrote. Uh, back in 2013, EJ Manuel. And by the way. Oh, by the way, guess who they drafted in the second round that year? Robert Woods. How about that? Robert Woods, us. their second round pick. Uh, Buffalo second six round pick. to the yeah. Titans. Yeah. He's a guy that, you know, I mean, yeah, he, that's that sounds about right, to be honest with you. So he's 30. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. Back on so, course. Yeah. All right. Do you want to get into, this? Do you want to get into the draft? You Let's know what? It. I do. Because that, it's that time of the year, folks. That's that's the thing about the NFL that says right now. It's the train that never keeps stopping. It's the greatest reality show on TV. And now for the next five weeks, we yep. get to look at all these guys and we get to say, okay, who do we like? Who do we need? Unfortunately, there's certain incidents like the David Ojabo tearing his Achilles in his pro day on, uh, on th- I think it was Thursday. I think so, um, yeah. On Thursday. But I'm going to get into who you like in a sec, but I want to ask you, who do you think the Patriots should be targeting in the draft? Besides, I want to go a little off course, though, because obviously yep. it's, oh, we could go for a wide receiver. We could go for a guard. We can go for a tackle. Right, draft, right. It's offensive line heavy, which 10 years ago looks horrible. But now, yep. Jesus Christ, when Evan Neal looks like – Oh, my God. When you see him – He's not going to the Patriots. He's not going to the Patriots. No. He's not escaping the top three. He's I have him going three to Houston. Um, when you see a guy that slim who can just move on the line – that's scary, but outside of the positions, I want you to name me a position that's not a linebacker. Like a, actually, you can say linebacker if you want, because I, there's a couple guys I really like at the linebacker position. Yeah. Us, but is there another position that you really see where you're like, okay, the Patriots should definitely be targeting? Not a certain guy, but just a certain position group. Yeah, I mean, for me, honestly, in the first round, you know, I'm looking at offensive tackle, I'm looking at cornerback, and I'm looking at wide receiver. Those are the three positions for me that are the most important. 
I do like I, I do like the idea of going linebacker, but linebacker in the first round is a reach, to be honest with you. Um, you know, now if you can get if you can get a safety, if safety drops to you and you like one of the guys that are that's there, sure, you can go after a guy like that. Um, but you know, really realistically, the only safety that's there is Kyle Hamilton. He's gonna go in the top five to ten. So you're not gonna get that guy. Yeah. And I don't know if there's another safety. I kind of like Kirby Joseph who who'll go later. Um you know, so that's that's from Illinois. That that's one of those guys that okay, I'll target him, but he's like the he's like a fourth round pick or something like that. So like he's a Saturday guy. You know, yeah, yeah. And so it's like you know, you, you get one of those guys, but but not in the first round. To me, in the first round, it's wide receiver, it's tight, it's a uh, offensive tackle, or it's cornerback. And I think the Patriots' best bet might be to trade down from twenty one, pick up another pick in the top hundred. There's a ton of players that are that are good, and you know, really to me, there are four elite tackles right you got neil you got charles cross you got um uh ikiakuanu and then you have trevor penning those are the four elite tackles probably none of them are going to be there at 21 but then again there's four of them so there's a possibility that one of those guys will be around and if those guys aren't around then that means that there might be a cornerback that's there there might be a wide receiver that's there that you don't think is going to be there so like so you know it just kind of like for me at least those guys getting pushed up, even if they get pushed up the draft board, it's good for the Patriots because there are so many guys they can target. Now, if you're, you know, you're looking at it and you're 21, you like Andrew Booth Jr. and you like, you know, Chris Olave and you like Jameson Williams and they're all there, yeah, then maybe you trade back to 26, right? Maybe you trade back to 26 and pick up, you know, I think one of the trades I've done with, with the Titans on a lot is like 26 and 90. So you get 26 and 90, move back five spots and pick up number 90 overall. And so yep. now you pick up another top 100 pick. And you have another pick on Friday night where you say, okay, now we're still drafting in the first round. We're probably one of those guys is probably going to be there that we like, you know, and then you kind of go from there. The only other one for me is Jordan Davis. It's a possibility or the other kid from, uh, there are other off the same kid. Uh, from, Walker. Uh, yeah. Well, Trey, Trey Walker's going to go. He's, he's too good. He's going to go inside the top t- at 21. I think is a no brainer. It's like almost harkens back to 2001 or 2004 when the Patriots had 21 and took Vince. Um, I know you took Barmore last year, but it's like imagine him and Barmore in the middle together who, you know, now you have Jordan Davis and Barmore side by side. You can't run on us, and they can rush the passer up the middle. I mean, it's like that's that's disastrous for, that's for opposing. And that's the thing. So, And if you have that, now your secondary doesn't have to be as good because you have the pass rush, right? So, um, But that's kind of where I'm at. Those three positions are the biggest ones for me. And then it's like – then it's just guys, right? If you're like you fall in love with with him and you're like we have to get him if he falls to Jordan Davis drops to us and we have to draft him, hey this guy should be going to the top ten if he drops to twenty one what are you gonna do you know what I mean like it's just it's just kind of like you know you don't really have a choice and so that's that's kind of the spot for me where I look at it and say like yes I want a position but I also want um you know I, I want to attack the best player available you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. You because that's the thing about this year's draft that I say compared to last year and the years before. Like you know how two years ago, Ceedee Lamb went to Dallas, where at the time he couldn't have gone. Like not that he couldn't have gone, but like Dallas had other needs. This year, it's not. You're drafting for what you want. This year's drafting for what you need. Um, the only other tackle I have interest in that, that actually Mike Renner got me on his radar is um, the guy, the Austrian kid from Central Michigan. Uh, I think Bernard Bernard something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Raymond Raymond, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, him. He's only the one there. Uh, Aquanu is my dra- I, a guy I really like, but obviously he's he's going top five. Um, I could potentially even see him going number one. Um, could be. Yeah, it could Although be. Although he wa- – uh, not Jacksonville at this point. 
can't take him number one. I don't think. I think it's Hutchinson going. So, I think it's I, gonna I, have Hutch- to be. It's gonna have to be. I think at least. I think. Yeah. Right. I, I think it's gonna be Hutch, but at the same time too, it's Jacksonville, so we never know. Hell, at one point we thought Kayvon Thibodeau was gonna be number one in the draft. He's probably he's he's sliding down to where five and seven. But then at the same time yeah. too, I've seen this from like Giants Twitter where if they don't have Aquanu or Cross and drafting, it's like we don't want to tackle. But then it's like okay, you need the position though, so right. just ignore the guy. Like last year at the draft. I wanted Fields. There was the famous meme video from you guys of Keegan reacting to when Fields went to the Bears. And yeah. when Mac Jones got drafted by us, we were all like, okay, we'll see what he can do. I yeah. always had my take of Alabama quarterbacks never pan out in the NFL because they always kind of were surrounded by the players that were better than them and their positions that made them outshine. But he had a good rookie year, and I just want to bounce off quickly to Mac just to – get some quick thoughts and insights on him to how you thought he did. Cause look, we haven't, last time we talked was after the Carolina win and that was like four months ago. It was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose before we get back to the draft, I just want to ask you quickly what you thought of Max draft and where you see him going forward. Cause I feel like now everyone's people think, Oh, look, cause of what happened in the playoff game, well, the book's out on him. He sucks. He's going to have a sophomore slump. I think he's dedicated, and I think he knows where he has to improve. And I'm not saying he's going to come out here and have a second year showing, but if he can have a good second year to where, you know what, he's creeping in that north of top 16 quarterbacks in the NFL, Right. I say it's a good year. The only thing I think he just has to do is just limit the mistakes, but at the same time, too, I'm confident in him to, you know what, where, like in 2020, we saw a lot of plays where Cam couldn't read a blitz, blitz comes at him, he just cowers. Matt got out of pressure a lot of times last year. Right. He did. He did. I hate to do this to you. Give me one minute. I, my computer's about to die. I just got to run and grab the cord. Right. You know what? I will vamp. I will vamp. Um, I'll be right back. All right. I, no problem. I'll be back. Um, actually, folks, since Pat is gone, uh, I have to do this right now. I'm, I was going to vamp, but I got to do this. You see, if you are listening on YouTube or watching my face, you see the Pat's blank screen. It is me. I am here. I'm going to take Pat's frame out for a second, and I'm going to go to me. Basically, what I'm here to do right now is talk to you guys about BetStamp. And obviously, I know I hammer it down like a lot of the guys have Manscaped. I don't have Manscaped yet. Manscaped, if you're listening, contact me. Um, What BetStamp is, is it's an app you can download for your iPhone, for your Android. And you know what? It gives you the best odds on any sport for any game. And it's crucial right now for March Madness because why? I've lost money during March Madness, and I don't want to see you guys lose it too for the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 that's coming up this coming weekend. So what you do is you download the BetStamp app, use the promo code GRIFFB. All the details and the link for the downloading the app are in the bio. So what I need you guys to do is just download the app. And even too, if you want to bet on NFL when it comes back, if you want to bet on college football, you want to do NBA, you want to do March Madness, you want to do UFC, NHL, MLB, which starts up in a few weeks, download the BetStamp app today. Connected to your favorite sports books. And remember, guys, if you are in Ontario, sports betting, April 4th, all the books are coming here to where single game wagering is legal. So it is imperative that you get this app downloaded. Why? Because it's going to tell you which book is going to give you the best bang for your buck so you can go out there and you can make money. But not only that, so you can make more money. So say if one book is giving odds at 140 a plus a minus one forty, but another book's giving you a minus one eighty. You're going to go to the minus one eight one forty book. Why? Because that's the better odds to win more money. So, guys, do me a favor. Download BetStamp today. Promo code GRIFFBY. You will not regret it. And I will see you guys on the BetStamp app. And apart from that, too, I'm just going to throw in one another little kicker. BetStamp has verified 
betters. What that is, is people that have a really good track record, celebrities, etc. Those guys, um, what they do is are verified betters. So you, they can go out there and you can tail their odds too. Don't fade them, tail them. Bet stamp, download the app today. And just like that, he is back. He's putting his headset on. He's grabbing his charger. The earbuds are in. Pat We're Lane is back. We're back. Um, do we want to talk Max still? Mac. Or do we... Yeah, yes. no, let's do it. Let's do it. So, Mac, so here's let's the thing, Mac. McCorkle. Right. And, and this is this is my thing, is that I wasn't crazy about it. And it's funny, last year, you know, you talk about the draft. I wanted Fields desperately. I looked at Mac, and I just said, when I looked at Mac, I saw Brady. And I said, there's just, my, my reasoning for not wanting Mac was literally that how could you possibly get that lucky twice? Like you yeah. just, you had Brady for 20 years. You can't then draft a guy who reminds you of Brady because that's never going to work because it's like, th- th- there's no way you could get Tom Brady again. Right. And not saying that Mac Jones is Tom Brady, of course. Right. But like the thing about him is that the processing is there. He understands what he's seeing. He's calling the plays. He's checking the plays. He's not making He's not making the perfect reads. He's not making the perfect throws. But what he's doing and what he did, you know, pretty well this year, I thought, was he stayed cool under pressure. I thought what you said was perfect, where, like, he'd see a blitz coming, he'd get pressure, and he'd get out of it. He's not the most elusive guy. He's not the most athletic guy. But he knows his pocket awareness is fantastic. And, you know, of course, Brady's is next level, but it took him 20 years to get to that point, right? And this kid was a rookie and already looked good doing it. So to me, he's a guy who works his butt off. All the guys love him. They all love him, right? And, you know, and he's a leader on the field. He's a leader off the field. He's a guy that you want as your starting quarterback. And to me, when I look at him, I just say like, hey, you know, we, we struck gold with this kid. Um, I think like really w- they did. And so, you know, you see the potential. Yeah. And, and listen, does he have to work on his arm a little bit? Yeah, sure. Sure. He's got to, you know, we want to be able to have him throw a little bit, a little bit longer and a little bit deeper and, you know, make those, make those kind of short, even the short passes, put a little extra zip on the ball. Is he working with Tom house? I don't know. seems like it, but nothing's confirmed either way, which is fine. I don't, I don't need to know that. It doesn't matter if he's working with Tom house or not. I think he should, but even if he isn't work with someone to improve on that velocity, get that, you know, get the arm strength up a little bit, get in the weight room, you know, improve all of those things, improve the body a little bit. So he's more equipped. He took a beating last year and he just kept going. And so I think you have to be happy with what you saw last year. Even if you're not, he's not there yet, of course. And like the hard part of it, people look at it and they say, They want Zach Wilson. They want Trey Lance. They want Malik Wilson. That's what they want. That's what people want. But ultimately, Brady won the Super Bowl two years ago. Pocket passer. Matthew Stafford won the Super Bowl this year. Pocket passer. passer. Joe Bart was in the Super Bowl last year. Pocket passer. You know, like so you go through the list and you start looking at it and you say, okay, Mahomes won the Super Bowl in 2019. But guess who he played against? Jimmy G. Pocket passer. Brady won the Super Bowl in 2018. Guess who we played against? Jared Goff, pocket passer. Like, so you start looking around the league and you're like, huh. I know we Ryan. love these. Right. I know we love these guys, but it's still these pocket passers that can get rid of the ball, that can read the blitz. Can... Mahomes is a different animal because, yeah, he can run, but he's also really smart too. Right. And so, like, you're not reliant. If you're too reliant on your on the other tools and the other traits, you still have to be able to play quarterback. You, yeah. you still have to be able to do that. 
And when things break down and other stuff isn't there, you have to will the team to win, which is what some of these guys have done. And so, you know, I just look at it and say, hey, maybe maybe it never works at Mac, but, like, I'm willing to take that chance, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think in a few years we're going to be in this awkward Baker Mayfield position. Obviously, now that's a lot different after yeah. them getting Watson, which, folks, for those of you who want to know, uh, Cleveland Browns fan and Sportsnet personality Andy McNamara will be on with me tomorrow night to discuss that. Um, but with the, with the Baker situation, you don't want that. Or even this year, what Daniel Jones is going through with the Giants. Obviously, that's a lot different. I'd right. like him to stay because, look, I have a I have a thing on here. When Daniel Jones plays in primetime, I – I podcast because the two times I did in 2020, one was the game where he ran against the Eagles and, and fell. fell. And then the Giants game, which I don't know how much of a sports better you are, but I remember that game. The Bucks were a huge favorite, and I said the Giants are going to cover. I don't know if they'll win, but they'll cover, and the Giants lost by two. So it was just from, from there, me and the, me and one buddy, we always record during his primetime games. And Love this it. year I was looking for a Colts-Giants primetime matchup, which – which was Wentz against Jones would have been hilarious. Oh, my goodness. But that's my whole thing right now. We're not in this position. And also, too, I don't think after year three we're going to be in this, you know, contract negotiation like what the Cardinals are going through, Kyler Murray. Uh, Locked on Cards guest Alex Clancy was on a few weeks ago, guys. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I, I recommend it. We had a good conversation. But um, I know I'm going off track and just plugging past episodes, but it's just uh, stuff I want to do because it relates to these this conversation yeah, with Mac right. where – I don't see that happening. I don't see, and also too, I don't unless he plays crazy. I don't think he's going to be coming up and saying, you know what, back the Brinks truck up for me because oh, he's getting this and he's getting that. Kyler has the right to because the Cardinals know that without Kyler, they're inevitably screwed. But I'd rather be in the Patriot position. Are they though? It's that's a very, it's a sensitive I mean, subject. I think I don't know. I, I don't know what's better for them. I think it's either they for some reason made Cliff happy and their GM, which. Uh, I've had many discussions with various different people, whether it's yeah. a Cardinals person or if it's not a Cardinals person about the state of their franchise. But I'm out. I'm out on. I mean, just fantasy yeah. wise, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. I will not draft him anymore. Uh, been burned to you know a few times by him. Now I'm all set. I'm I'm all set. Now, if you want to give him to me late, sure. But I'm not drafting him with the Josh Allen's and with the Lamar Jack. I'm not doing that because nope. he can't stay healthy. He can't play a full year. So what good is that? Yeah, he plays great for a few games. Then he's out for three or four games. Then he's, nah, for three or four games. Then he's out for two or three more games. Then he comes back and he plays well for two or three games. It's like, I'm not I, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not doing that. So, uh, maybe you know, too. maybe, you know, it's one of those things. And then as your quarterback of your team, like if the guy's not going to be consistent, he's like, I mean, that, that playoff performance was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And I know that he didn't have any help. I get it. He didn't have any help. Everyone was hurt. But uh, that was embarrassing. I was one of those ones where you're like, what are you doing, man? You know, I just, and then he's, and now he's going to demand a ton of money after that performance. Uh, it's like, come on, buddy. You know, know, know what's going on. You know, I only say that because with them, it's kind of like going back to square one in the quarterback situation. That's why I say, I think that they're better with him than Cliff. Cause obviously we know what Cliff's skill set is. Um, but with Mac though, and even with us this year in yeah. the playoffs, yeah, Mac, obviously look, we know this playoff this year. I looked at it as, you know what? Like when you watch a movie and the bully finally gets what's coming to him. That's right. what happened January 15th in Orchard Park. Yeah. Also, too, I have to go back to that stadium because I did a video for NFL bets. And I, ever since then, it was literally a few days after the Patriots game there. I went to that stadium because I was in Buffalo okay. for the weekend doing some shopping. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to film a video from outside the stadium. There you go. I think I have to go back because after that is when the Patriots really start going downhill. So I think I have to like 
reverse the death. I have reverse, to reverse it. Okay. I got to reverse it. I got to reverse Good it. Call. I like that. I'm, I'm planning on going down right before the draft. So I'm going to, you know, just sprinkle a little magic, maybe say a few nice words about them. Just and then to, if, and then if that doesn't work, you just never go there ever again. Yes, exactly. That's the plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I have the plans this year. <laughs> I've said it on here. I've said it to other people. I'm going to say it to you. October 2022, I will probably be at a game at Gillette Stadium. Just there we gotta go. figure out the dates and the logistics. Love but it. from what I've talked to from people, they say October is better than September just weather-wise because absolutely. Yeah. yeah because like how it's you could probably I feel like you could go to the game and you don't you have to like layer up, but you don't have to like crazy layer up. Right. So in September, you're like sitting in the sun, it's brutal. It sucks. And then November too, you never know if you're gonna get like a nice day or if it's gonna be like pouring rain. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to pay all that money to come down there and be a pouring rain game. Yeah, it's not no, that's not what you want. That's yeah. not what you want. But now back to the draft. Um after the Mac talk. Look, I'm, it's the floor is yours now. I'm gonna ask, I want you to tell the world like yep. who are who are, who are you crushing on in this draft? Like not players like last year with Dick Bolton, obviously, Keegan with Amon Ross St. Brown, which I have to say both of you guys hit. Those guys yeah. studs in the NFL this year. Um, but with those, like with this year, though, who who's who is Pat Lane's Nick Bolton for 2022? Leo Chanel is that guy for 20. I mean, he's he's a he's super athletic, big guy, uh, super productive linebacker. Um, he's solid uh, from Wisconsin. There's also Troy Anderson from San Diego, San Diego State. No, South Dakota State. San Diego no. State. How much I want? I think it's South Dakota State. I believe. Uh, small school. Uh, I think they're FSB. Um, Thanks, so, too. You know, small school. But the kids, the kids like two hundred forty five pounds, and he ran like a four three five. It's like stupid. Now he's also he's not like the toughest guy in the world, but like if you're gonna be you know two forty and be able to run that fast and play linebacker, like yeah, he's got some work to do. He's not he's an unfinished product. But if you can get me that guy in the bottom of the second round or top of the third round, like I'll take a chance on that guy because he's a freak who's big and strong. And like, if you can teach him how to play the position, he can play the position, right? I think he played. Start, he went to South Dakota State to play quarterback, and then has bounced around a little bit, and now you know is is playing linebacker. So, um, you know, I take I take a shot at a guy like that. You just see if you can mold him a little bit um, defensively. Those guys, and obviously, I mean, you know, the kid from Georgia is just stupid. I mean, that's just dumb. Like, you know, I mean, come on, Jordan Davis. Like, come on, that's just that's just stupid. I mean, that's just like that guy is a freak. So if you can get that guy here, that'd be fun. Um, I like Mar- the guy that the guy that I had my first draft crush on, who then didn't show up at the Senior Bowl was Marcus Jones. Uh, Marcus Jones is arguably the most electric kick returner in college football history. Uh, finished his career with nine return touchdowns uh, between kicks and punts. Had a game against SMU where SMU like I either tied it or went up by one with like ten seconds left, and then for some reason kicked off to him. He took it to the house. And won the game at the buzzer. Um, so he's just he's super fast, very athletic, um, but a guy that you know is small. He's like five eight, so he's a small guy. He plays corner, uh, and he played corner pretty physically. Like he's not afraid to tackle and stuff like that. He's a slot guy, but you know he's a guy that because he's now dropping the draft. He went to the combine, but he didn't run in the combine. So now it's just his pro day. It's like a whole thing. So now it's like oh, who knows what's going to happen. I was looking for him to play. Uh, he's from Houston, so he's not really not really crazy competition. So I was like, okay, he'll go to the Senior Bowl and compete in the Senior Bowl, and he just didn't show up in the Senior Bowl. So I didn't hear why, and it was like, Ugh, that's not that's not a good sign. So, but maybe he's a guy you can get late, you know. So, uh, and then offensively, I mean, Keegan's guy is Olave. I love Olave too. Um, big Olave guy. I love uh, Christian Watson, the kid from uh, North Dakota. 
just six four, blazing speed. Um, you know, guys like that. Those guys are so much fun. Um, Sky Moore. Sky Moore. Sky Moore is a guy that that you know that I've been high on for for a while. Um, and I think I think it was Renner originally who had, who had talked about him. I was just like went looked at some of his tape, and it's like you know his his three cone and his short shuttle weren't super impressive at the combine, which surprised me. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see those numbers be better uh, at his pro day. A lot of guys didn't run the cone, the agility drills at the combine. And I think part of that was because they didn't like the way things were set up. They didn't like the way they were running. So it uh, could have had something to do with it, but I'm, I'm surprised that it was, that it wasn't as good as it was. But those are the types of guys that I'm looking at. Trevor Penning is just like, man, that guy is so much fun to watch. He's just an asshole. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, Oh God, that guy's, that guy's awesome. So, uh, you know, there are guys kind of all over the field that, that are kind of, that I'm looking at like, Hey, if we can get that guy, or we can get this guy or like this guy comes in or, you know, like, um, the kid from, uh, Oklahoma, I think Isaiah Thomas is a DN from Oklahoma who has, he's like a sixth, seventh round pick, but he's a guy who's like, you know, he's not there yet, but he's got, he's got like traits. So it's like, you Hey, you know, yeah. So it's like, if you can scoop a guy like that in like, the sixth, seventh round, like what the hell, you know? So, um, those are kind of guys that, that I'm, that I'm looking at when I do when I do my uh, when I do my draft, I'm like, all right, maybe I can you know sneak this guy in or you know Phillips from from uh, UCLA or whether it's you know Bo Melton from Rutgers or what you know. So it's like it's those types of guys where I'm like, hey, like I can squeeze this guy in or this guy I can take in the fourth fifth round or you know uh, it's those kind of middle of the road guys that the Patriots like those guys because yeah, there's not there's yeah there's not there's not like a lot on them. Right. And so you look at and see if you can find a guy like that. So, uh, but yeah, this, oh man, so many guys this year, uh, cause it's just, it's, it's a loaded draft class. I mean, that's, it's so different than the, the last year you had that top level lead talent. There's not ton, a ton of that elite talent this year, but there's a million good guys where like that, you Never know, there's fingers. really, yeah. And there's that top like 10, 15 guys. And then after that, like, Anywhere from like twenty to like sixty, those guys are all really good. So there's like a there's a ton of really good players in the draft, a ton of depth, and guys that are going to be difference makers, like you said, that you're going to be able to get in the second round and maybe even in the third round. So um, a, a a ton of talent out there, um, and uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. What about you? Do you get some of those some of those draft crushes? Um, I'm with Keegan. I'm big on Chris Olave. Uh, John Mechie is another one from. Uh, John yeah. Mechie, that's my guy. Yeah. I love John Mechie. Mechie's another one. Um, my actually fun story with Mechie. I think I, I mentioned this to Fitzy, but my uh, my fiance actually went to school with him for a couple of years uh, up here in Canada really? before before he moved down to the states to pursue football. When he saw football as a real avenue, yeah, you know what? Hey, he can go somewhere with it. Yeah, uh, because his brothers play. His brothers actually play professionally up here as well. Uh, Mechie's yeah. one. Uh, Jameson Williams. Uh, Look, the other ones are all the big dogs that are like way out of reach. Like you know, Evan Neal, Akiyakuanu, yep. even to I know some people have dropped Charles Cross, but I really like Charles Cross as well. Really good lineman. I'm, yeah, I'm all I'm all for like the offensive line guys. I like Trevor Penning too. Like, look, really good guy, move the ball. A couple of the receivers I like though. One is Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. I think he. Yeah, he's not a, he's not a guy he's that can scary. come in right away. He's he, scary because he that's Nikhil. That's, that's the thing though. I think he's one of those guys where he, if he can come in right away, he's not going to be right. wide receiver one. Yeah. But he can be that, you know, maybe use him here or there, use him in the punt return, kick return game. I, I wouldn't take him personally. And also, too, I've seen a lot of people on, on Dotson as well, but I feel like Dotson's the same sort of thing where it's like, yeah, it's a lottery ticket pick. 
But I'm looking more at the guys that you know you can get in day two and day three. Because my philosophy yep. has been for the last well, – actually, just picked this up. You win the draft on Friday and Saturday. Oh, Thursday, yeah. you mm-hmm. go for the shiny object. Friday and Saturday, that's when you really go to work. Exactly. No, I agree with you 100%. I agree yeah. with you 100%. One other guy I forgot to mention uh, because I was doing a little bit – as I was going through some of this stuff – and the tape isn't great. It's not great. It's not It's not great. It's Sam Houston State, which is really kind of like you would want this guy to excel in Sam Houston State. Zion McCollum is his name. All right, this kid, just give you the measurables. This kid's 6'2", 199. So he's a big kid, cornerback. Not super long arms, like 30 and three quarters. Not super long, but like long enough. He's 6'2", so you don't need those super long arms because you're tall already, but either way. Yeah. This kid ran a four- Three three forty. His vert was thirty nine and a half inches. His broad was one thirty two, eleven foot broad. Jesus Christ! His cone drill was six four eight. Was it six four eight? That's under a six five cone drill. It's outrageous. And a three nine four shuttle. Oh my god! So a sub four second shuttle and a sub three five cone drill. That's unheard of. That's outrageous, right? And so you talk about the agility and the speed and the jumping ability, those types of things where you look at a guy like that and you say, okay, he's not a finished product and he's a senior. So like he's, he's a little bit older. And so there's some things that you have to work on, but you know, you see a guy like Kyle Duggar who was a freak athlete to play D2. Now he dominated in D2. It's a little bit different, right? Yeah. But still, he played D2, but because he had all of those measurables, you look at it and say, shoot, like this kid could be something. We could turn him into something. And McCollum is a guy to me where if you can get that guy in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, which you probably can because he's from Sam Houston State and his tape isn't great, but the athlete is just so freakishly good that maybe you can turn him into something, right? Belichick's done this a bunch with guys that are unheralded. He's had really hard time with the guys that he drafts at the beginning of the draft yeah. at defensive back, right outside of McCourty, obviously. And I'd argue Jerome Harmon too, but like, you know, but beyond, beyond that, once you get like later rounds and undrafted guys, he's had a lot of success with those guys and building them up to good players. So maybe you take this guy in the fifth, sixth round and you turn him into something because of the freak athleticism and the height, right? You turn this kid into, into a player. So Zion McCollum is a guy that you, you know that maybe he'll maybe he'll rise up the draft boards a little bit because you know corner is like it is is a stop. They call it a stopwatch position where it's like we only care about we care about that so much, right? But it's like man, if we can get a guy like that late, that athleticism is outrageous. So even if the tape's not there, maybe we can coach him up a little bit, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, that's the thing, too, with a lot of the day two and day three. I know I say the draft is one of those days, but you, there's those players you can afford to take a chance on. Like, I want to give an example of a team. If you look at 2017, there's a couple of uh, guys on San Francisco. They didn't draft. Fifth round, they take a tight end from Iowa, and I think we know the rest. He's an all-pro now. Like, that's the thing with a lot of these day, day, day two and day three guys. Right. And even, too, with the having to work thing, um, this was an argument with Travis Kelsey, too, where everyone says, oh, why wasn't Kelsey a first-round pick? And even, too, you can look at Gronk, who was a second-round pick. Um, yep. A lot of these guys, you need to work on them. You need to mold them. Like, even this right. year, Kyle Pitts didn't come into the league and necessarily like, – he was he had a good year, but he didn't necessarily, yep. you know, light the, like, light the world on fire. 
Like even look at TJ Hawkinson. He was a top 10 tight end pick as well. Took him a year, like took him to a year two. And then this year's really where you started to see, okay, yeah, this guy, three. this guy can play well. Yeah. Um, the other guy I also would like to see the Pats draft is uh, the left guard out of Texas A&M, Kenyon Green. I know the second we yep. traded Shaq, I saw Keegan tweet about him. And yeah. when I see Keegan tweet about someone, <laughs> I'm going to be on him too. That's the thing. Because he got me on Chris Olave last year. Oh, Olave. He's and been he's, on Olave since like 2018. <laughs> oh, he's the, he's the Ohio State guy. He's the Ohio State yeah. guy. It's, yeah. it's, that's all it is. Um, the only other thing I want to say before we wrap up today is with the AFC East, besides Buffalo – I feel like we have a chance to be competitive just for the fact that, look, the Jets, they're in year two of their rebuild, even though I still say this, that Joe Douglas, look, that's another thing. Look at the deal that Joe Douglas struck for Jamal Adams. Mm -hmm. You got two first-round picks Mm -hmm. for Jamal Adams, which, Mm -hmm. here's Seattle, good Lord. Um, Disaster. More for the contract than the the trade. But um, with them, I still feel like the Jets, they could be that team. I think Jets fans want to see competitiveness this year. I still see maybe, I think, six wins is their ceiling, unless Zach Wilson has a really stellar second year, which I still, I'm still not totally sold on yet. I need to see no. it before I believe it. No. Yeah. I will I will not believe Zach Wilson will be a good good NFL quarterback until he actually is a, a good NFL quarterback. Until that, he absolutely proves me wrong. I will never believe in him. I just, I was... 100% convinced before the draft that he was going to be a bust. Nothing he showed me last year did anything to dissuade me of that. Maybe eventually he'll be good. I don't believe it. I don't think it's going to happen. But maybe eventually he will be. I just don't see it. I just he, All throughout college, he played like crap against any good competition. He yeah. always played like crap against anyone good. So to me, that's just who he is. He just you give him a bunch of bums, and he can play well against them. But who cares about that? The NFL, there's no one that's a bum in the NFL. So what good does that do you, right? So like, yeah, he's got it in him, but can he actually rise to the occasion against those good teams? And he hasn't shown that he can, and I don't think he's ever going to. But again, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. It's happened. Not often, but it has happened. It's like the same um, too with Josh but, Allen yeah. where it's like, it's sorry to cut you off. It's like with Josh Allen too, where after the first two years, everyone's kind of like, okay, what are we going to do? And then now out of nowhere, right. you have Bill's fans saying like they – do things I don't want to mention on air to Josh Allen. You know, I've seen videos of girls basically say like, "Oh yeah, no, uh, I'd let him sleep with me and everything like that." Like, well, and, they, and Josh they, Allen, yeah, Allen loves diff- him there. Oh yeah, yeah, and, but Allen's a different him. situation though because yeah. Allen is a, is an athletic freak. Like he's a linebacker who plays quarterback. Yeah. He, you know what I mean? Like he just that's who he is. So he's a monster. Like and so ben, yeah, like Ben was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Wilson has a little bit of that. But like, and maybe he can teach himself, you know, the the accuracy as well. But he just, to me, just panics, right? And and uh, and again, maybe he learns that. Maybe they, because I think they have a decent coaching staff over there in New York. So like, maybe he does learn that. I just don't believe. It. I don't believe it's going to happen until it does. So we'll see. Exactly, and that's the only other thing I want to say with Josh Allen, just because I know, like, look, it was the same thing after year two. Where it was like, okay, what are you going to do now? And then year three, he came in and lit, lit the world on fire, right? Um, and then with Miami, I. I just I think all the off field stuff is just catching up to them. Like when that whole rumor came out about yeah they wanted to have Brady at quarterback and Sean Payton as their coach. I'm like okay yeah you're just trying to sell it's a mess. You're trying to sell a car to a car salesman. Like no what like hmm. I know that's I wanted to find another metaphor but that's the best one I could do. Like hell yeah they, they have Teddy Bridgewater who everyone's saying could be a good fit considering Mike McDaniel's bringing that Kyle Shanahan offensive scheme with him to San Fran- yeah. from San Francisco to Miami. So, look, for everyone saying, oh, 
Everyone knows Mac. Okay, we know Tua now. And then Miami, I'm just like, I think it's the same thing. Just Miami is that, you know, those teams are the definition of insanity where they just do the same thing over and over again. Like they're going to, I have a hot take about them. I think they're going to regret firing Brian Flores. Oh, yeah. They're going to regret it. Yeah. I do think McDaniels is a good coach. So we'll see. Right. Um, He is. I'm just saying Flores is better. I agree with you there, too. I mean, you know, and Flores now in in Pittsburgh is going to be interesting, but it is going to be, you know, the Dolphins. We'll see. We'll see. It's so funny when you see some of those trades happen. You're like, what are these? The Texans made that crazy trade for Laramie Tunsil, which is why they end up with all those picks. And then, you know, now that you mentioned the Watson trade, like the, the Texans got three first round picks for a guy who was never going to play for them ever again. I mean, yeah. that's outrageous. And he got a ton of money. And of course, the situation's a disaster. But if you're the Texans, you have to be looking at this saying, we saved face because he's not playing for us anymore. And we got three first round picks out of it. Like three first round picks and a third round pick and a fourth round pick. And we sent a fifth round pick, fine. But like, but they got a million picks out of this. And like, yeah, the Browns are still going to be good, you would think. Except, of course, if he's suspended for eight games this year, which he might not be, probably won't be. But if he they is, Case Keenum today too to Buffalo. I don't know. If you right. Saw that. So they have nobody. So like, so they have no. Cleveland has nobody because Baker's gone. So you know they don't even have a quarterback. So like, if he's if he's out for the first five weeks, I think they assigned Jacoby Brissett. So Brissett will be the starting yeah. quarterback. I think so. Like, so yeah, Brissett. But like, I would think Brissett's fine. But if he's suspended for eight games. Do they go five and three? Do they go three and five in those eight games? If they go three and five in those eight games, it'd be tough to make the playoffs. Now you're talking about you getting a top twenty pick next year. I mean, that's you know, that's a pretty damn good trade if you're if you're the Texans and you the Texans are a complete dumpster fire. That team is awful. Yeah. Um, but they have a million picks coming up. So like it's it's good for them. And now you got Davis Mills, who, you know, long people sh- people shat on that pick last year. He looked pretty good. And, you know, realistically, yeah. And realistically, yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Realistically, you're going to, you're going to, you know, run that, run that back with him. You're going to stink again this year. And then if you, you know, if you're not bought in by the year, by year two, you draft one of the quarterbacks next year. You know what I mean? And so that's one of those things where like, I think the Texans are, are in a pretty good spot right now moving forward. I think that the disaster that they fired David Cullen. I mean the, the coaching stuff is a is a mess with Lovey Smith and you all this and other I were crap. on here talking when they hired David Cully. I don't mean to cut you off again, but I remember I yeah. remember that we came on like literally we're speaking the day when David Cully got hired. We were both like okay, why or who? Right. And again, like you hire him I think I don't know what he could have done to keep his job. Like he yeah. he did the best he possibly could with that I mean, you had the, the biggest anomaly ever, one of the worst lineups of all time, and it was also one of the oldest lineups in the league, and they were terrible. So it was kind of like, what do you want the guy to do? <laughs> like, they, they played over their heads most of the season, and you fired him anyways, and then you hired Lovey Smith instead. It's like, what the hell are you doing? So it just it, it made zero sense. Um, you know, but anyways, that's that's neither here nor there. Still, yet weren't the worst team in their entire division. They somehow finished in third in the division. Yeah. But like, even like when I look at our schedule for next year, I look at the North and I'm like, okay, Cincinnati, we figured be good. I yep. have, I have Baltimore as a dark horse to go far. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'll say that now. Yeah. Um, Cleveland, we'll have to see what the suspension comes down for Watson is, and then Pittsburgh. I think with Pittsburgh, I'll be honest with you. If they if they can get decent 
quarterback play out of Mitch and their defense can steal the, steal the game here or there, they could potentially make a run. I'm not saying make the playoffs. I'm just saying be in that. Yeah, game, no, like, yeah. like you're, okay. you're in that. You're in that graphic. Come like come like right right around the Christmas holidays. You're in that graphic, and then yeah. I think we lucked out in the South because we get to play the Colts, and we honestly don't. I don't know what to expect from the Colts this year. And then the West, sure, we play the Raiders, and we'll probably lose. But our saving grace is we play the NFC North, which is falling apart at the seams with yep. Aaron Rodgers having no one to throw to, even though he'll still probably win 12 games. Yeah, uh, Minnesota, which I believe is one year away from completely burning it down. Yep. And then Chicago, which, look, they're rebuilding and they're on their way up. And then there's Detroit and Dan Campbell, which I heard this uh, from a couple of people for Baker. I know Baker wants to go to Indy. But can you imagine Baker with Dan Campbell and, like, kind of like that? That would just be a really funny combination. That would be interesting, yeah. Yeah. He makes the most sense. If I'm Indy, though, you have to go after Baker because you you got to – he's the only quarterback on the market right now for you. You're set up right now to win. Baker's on, you know, on the, his fifth year, so then you can you can extend him at the end of the year or not. But like, if you're not sold on him, then fine, you get rid of him. But the Browns don't have a choice; they have to trade him. So yeah. you can send a third round pick for him. You know what I mean? So, anyways, if I'm Indy, that's what I'm doing. Um, you know, Carson Wentz was a disaster, but somehow you ended up with picks for him, anyways, which is outrageous. <laughs> um, so then you trade one of those third round picks that you traded for Carson Wentz. And you know, and you and you and you move, you move for for Baker, and because realistically, now the Browns are going to get nothing back for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. You're going to get nothing. The guy's on an expiring contract, and he's getting paid a decent amount of money. So who the hell is going to send you? For? And you you can't keep him, so you have to trade him. And it's not like it's not like it's a bidding war for Baker Mayfield, right? So like, it's just not like, yeah, sure, I'll send you a third round pick for him. Sure, why not? Yeah, exactly. And then I'll send you, you know. And then so. with the West, I know everyone's so high on like Denver and Kansas City. My team right now that I'm excited to watch from that division is the Chargers. I, I'm yeah. just, I, I'm a big I'm a big Justin Herbert guy. It's I, someone I like throughout college. I always thought when he went to LA, I know everyone was saying, "Oh, we'll see what he does." I I was a feeling he was going to be good. Plus, to it hurts that he has his worst days against the Patriots. But that's that's another story yeah. for another day. That's the thing. Actually, I saw his two worst games of his career were the two against us. Yeah. Well, that coach, that coach has to figure it out. He's got to figure it out. He can't go for it yeah. every time on fourth. He can't. He can't. There's situational football, and he doesn't get it right now. So, yeah. um, analytics is not always your best friend. Right. Right. I mean, realistically, we're, you're playing the game. The game's played with people. I get analytics. You want to use analytics, but it's it's a tool. It's a tool, right? Like that's that's what you're doing. It's like if you said, "Well, this is the best play we should run." You can't run that same play every single time. You just can't do it. You know, like it's just not. This play works when we run it at the 10-yard line. Well, you can't get to the 10-yard line and run it every play. It yeah. doesn't make any sense, right? So, like, you have to think a little bit and not just be a robot and look at, yep, that's what the numbers say. Okay, that's what we're going to do. It's just like at a certain point you have to be able to look at your team and say, okay, we're going to punt here because it puts us in a better situation. I know our defense can get a stop, and if they can, then we can get the ball back in better field position or something. You know, it just – you have to just kind of – yeah. It's yeah. just that some of that stuff, I'm like, what are you doing? The the Chiefs game is the one where, where I was like, I'm out. I'm out. You can't do that. You just can't keep doing that. I know you have to score touchdowns, but you have to also get points. Yeah. <laughs> like You would have won that game regulation if you just kicked one of those field goals. And you didn't kick any of them. And it's like, you know, you just – so, anyways, that's that's a whole other story. But, exactly. but yes, they're a fun team to watch. Herbert's a, a monster. That's one of the Thursday night games. I missed a lot of it. I had pretty good reason, though. I was watching one of the greatest Marvel movies of all time on opening night. So there that's, you go. My, that's my reason for missing that. And also, to another quick take. Which one came we... out? Which one came out on? Spider-Man. 
Oh, that was, but that was uh, Halloween, wasn't it? No, that was the, uh, uh, no, the, this was the one Thursday night or it was in LA. That one you were talking about where the Chargers oh, should have okay. won it, but then, because the Chargers got you. beat them in Arrowhead. But then the oh, you're talking about the so Chiefs much. game. Oh, okay. Yes. No, no not, the, not, no, the, not, the, not the Patriots game. I no, got no, you. No. I got you. I did not miss a single Patriots game in 2021. There you go. Um, there you go. No, with this one, it was. Um, this no, was no, the, I know what you're talking about. The Chiefs, the Chiefs. I got you. The yeah, Chiefs that one. No, no, I know the one you're talking about as well with our, with us. But um, the only other take I have for you before I go, or before we go today, is. The Patriots will have an outdoor uh, – not an outdoor, obviously, they play at Gillette. We'll have an international game in 2022, but it will not be in London. I think they will be the ones to play the Cardinals in Mexico. Hmm, interesting. Mac walks Detroit. down that hallway, that like mm-hmm, thing too. with all the fencing around yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, That'd be interesting. Yeah. That'd be also, interesting. I know you want to go to Lambo. That's why I say that as well. Yeah, that won't be – yeah, no, no. I, I'm. Uh, that's the hope, at least. I mean, there's a lot of good places. You know, you look at the road schedule, right? You got Lambo. You got Minnesota, which is a cool stadium. You yeah. got Arizona, which is a cool stadium and a cool spot. You got Vegas, which is like you got to assume that people are gonna want to, are gonna flock to Vegas that weekend for that game. Um, but yeah, Lambo to me is the place just because they won't play there for another eight years, and it's like it's freaking Lambo. Like you know, that's just that's cool. And like, who knows how long Rogers has left? So like, to see Rogers play in person is pretty cool. Uh, anyways, and so yeah, I mean, it's you know. That's the spot to me. If you're if you're gonna go to a away game, that's the place. So hopefully that'll work out. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So even if I gotta make it, like you know, even if it's a Sunday night game or something or whatever, I'm like, eh, I'll call out sick on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> make it work. That's that's because that's my thing right now is just get to a home game in 2022. See what yeah. else happens. But that's that's my big goal for this year is just get to Gillette Stadium and then go. There you go. Home. We'll have to hang out in the parking lot before. One hundred percent. Anyway. Fo- Oh, sorry. Sorry to cut you off once again. I keep saying that. But um, anyway, folks, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Pat, it's been a pleasure. We'll do this again sometime soon. Maybe sure. right before the draft, maybe after the draft schedule. We'll figure something out. But we'll, what I want, what, basically what I always say to my guests, whenever I want you on, I'll get in your DMs. You let me know. We'll do for sure. But anyway, folks, that's going to do it for today. Episode number 158 in the bag. I'll see you guys tomorrow night. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.